In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable stars. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as The Binary Saga. Log entry, Vela 64, Vela Rotat 2689, cycle 8 of the third annual. Hey Siege, think the tides you are okay. The broadsheets from Haimavina broke the news shortly after it happened, so we received alerts here as fast as the light travels. The coverage from the event was fairly extensive, and the first thing listed in most of them that you were recovering with loved ones. Well, most of your loved ones, anyways since there are quite a few of us here that were concerned for you as well. Shortly after those reports came in, my terminal started ringing like crazy. Most of the calls I ignored because they were from the various wideband sites, looking for my thoughts on the attack and how I felt about it. Mom called me as soon as she heard and wanted to know if I was doing okay. I think she was more concerned with me stealing a ship and making my way there to hunt down your attackers. I kindly thanked her for her concern and reminded her that this all happened a few annuals ago, and that I was sure it was already handled. Inside, though, I was boiling. Don't tell her, but I might have checked the status of the magsail ships to see if any of them were ready to go. Spoiler, they weren't. I knew the important bits of information were that you were okay, and that you handled the situation like a true Taewol. Based on what I saw... I knew that you would send along your account of what happened when you were well enough to do so, or the schedule we usually keep to. I even advised most of our friends and the network to avoid sending you anything until you had the chance to fully recover. I speak from experience knowing that having a flood of incoming transmissions all asking, are you okay, can get on one's nerves after a while. I'm sure there were a few that leaked through, but I did my best to stem the tide on it until you were ready. Of course, now that you have updated me, I'm sure that dam will break at any moment. So prepare for all of the get well messages featuring pictures of cute paws and inspirational messages. I held them off as long as I could. All kidding aside, I am over the swell happy to hear that you are doing okay and not seriously hurt. It sounds like your training kicked in right when you needed it the most. I know it can get frustrating to hear that everyone wants to keep you safe and protect you, but what it really means is affection and concern. All of us know that you can handle anything that gets thrown at you, even if it's a high-speed vehicle, but that doesn't change the caring and nurturing nature of all individuals to want to shield others from harm. I'm sure you can see it in your dad and even in Andy. When I had my accident, I knew the job and I trained for every possible outcome even the bad ones. That didn't stop my mom from nearly canceling the entire CS project and dismantling the ships because they hurt her baby. She did this even though I heard her complain about how Papa Gisto would do the same for her when she was out on her travels at my age. She knew what she was doing and took all of the defense classes to prepare. In some cases, I think she was more prepared for anything than most of the pilots we train. It doesn't stop that feeling of wanting to keep someone safe. In many cases, it only amplifies it because then we actually know that there is a danger out there. What most don't understand is after something like this, it's almost silly to ask, are you okay? 
because are we ever truly okay after that? You'll always look over your shoulder and check the roadways more times than is necessary, and I'll always panic when systems flicker. Your description of the accident, well, it wasn't really an accident, now was it? The attack. The way you remember it is striking. I felt every painful moment in how you explain the series of events. When that sort of thing happens, it feels like time just slows down and you remember everything. I can still see each and every light on the console that lit up, hear all of those tones, and could feel the air around me when I was drifting down. It all imprints on you in a way that's hard to get rid of. Knowing this, I know that you will have a hard time ahead of you learning to deal with what happened and how you handle things going forward. There will always be those who tell you how they would have handled the situation, but they don't know. They weren't there. Let those comments cascade off your scales like water. From what you've said, you handled the situation as best you could, and I'm proud of you for getting out of there in one piece. I know that you can handle it, and I'm confident that you will come out of any sort of recovery even stronger than when you went in. Which, from what I have heard, is pretty damn strong. This will always be a part of you. It's part of your story. But it does not define you. Experiences like this have a way of shaping our character like water carves through rocks. It strengthens who you are as a person. That is a lesson I learned the hard way, and you yourself helped me to see it. I believe the words you said were, Frost them. You got this. <sighs> so, I'm sure you're tired of hearing about the crash, so I will endeavor to distract you with happy tides from the villain political scene. This would be where you could see my eyes roll if I were on vid. The probe arrived with the package from Ecal and the Samcoma. If you thought the ceremony that you had there for our shipment was a spectacle, then hold the hand term because the council wanted to show Haimovina that we can do the same here. I'm not even kidding, CJ. There was a parade. No, wait, there were multiple parades, one in each major city to showcase the items received and to celebrate the Vina Vela community of cooperation. Their words, not mine. There was music of all kinds, dancers in wigs that were made from Lodzalunger fur. There were cases of the items displayed on landscapes that worked their way through the transit streams and people were lined up just to see them. I am sure you can imagine that there were plenty of the Laarva types in attendance but the Reef Guard had set up special areas where they could view, or worship, or whatever it is they do, without bothering anyone else. Most of the more progressive population avoided them. The good news is that there was a private session held at the VSA headquarters, where those of us that received more personal items got to open them without any of the press corps covering the event. They handed me the box you sent without hesitation because they knew they would be unable to open it. You will be happy to know that the note didn't fade at all, and I can make out your flowing handwriting as clear as stream water. As for what you said in the note, I'm so glad you remember our old code. Thanks. Me too. When I opened the box, the first thing to hit me was the smell. I know that sounds bad at first, but honestly, it was the best memory I have of that specific moment. Even though we have never been in the same room, I knew that smell. It was you. 
I touched the stone and smelled the fleta, and just knew that it was you. We got to spend a few subtides with the item before they were whisked away to be fully examined and decontaminated from the flight through space. The reports all came back that the shielding from the container did what it was supposed to do and protected everything from any sort of exposure. We were asked to wait in one of the side rooms for the results, and they would bring the items back out for us. Sadly, the fleta was kept behind for further analysis due to it being a biological sample. They said that in a few annuals, we might yet still receive it, but they can't guarantee the condition of it after all the tests that will be performed. I'm sorry that I couldn't keep it. Mom even tried to get them to bend the rules, but they were concerned that it could introduce some sort of new pathogen that could cause problems with Velen biology. They advised that I check in with a doctor every few cycles and alert them if I exhibit any adverse reactions after having come into contact with it. The only adverse reaction I had at that moment was frustration, but Mom said to just follow the advice and that we still got to keep the most important items. <laughs> um, Mom, all of them are important. They brought back the other objects and gave them to us while all of the rest of the package was shipped off for either study or the display I mentioned before. Also, thank you, Vera, for the bottles of Akavit and Ven that were delivered to the council. As we were leaving, I saw some of them open one, and the smell of it actually burned my nose a bit. Must have been the Akavit. You guys drink that? Since we are not permitted to wear any type of jewelry while piloting due to the instruments and the potential safety hazard, the Vegvisir is affixed to the console of every ship I fly, and I have the Feelstone with me now wherever I go. It really means a lot to me, and I doubt I will be separated from it until I can place it back in your hands personally. Because at that point, we won't need them. Until then, it remains with me at all times, just like you. Anytime I am writing to you from now on, I will be holding it. When I am traveling, it's with me. When I'm on every rotation, ship, or station, you are with me. For now, though, that place is Chona. I'm sending this from the barracks for all the shuttle pilots on Kezi Station. They have expanded the station from a mere launch facility to a full-blown complex for manufacturing and exploration. Science teams are being flown up on a regular basis to map and explore the rest of the moon. I got this duty as what they are calling a recovery and restoration of my biological makeup. Those are some fancy terms to describe what was needed after the high gravity flights to and from Fenora. Would you believe that I shrank by three smish? Javi gloated over me because he's now taller by one smish. Ugh. They believe that since Chona has roughly 0.7 that of VSG, that the lower gravity will assist in adjusting back to normal. So I finished my rotation of shuttling trainees and test modules to and from Fenora, then was back on the surface for the probe recovery and festivities, and then back up here to Chona for a three annual duty rotation. The time on the surface was great because I felt so light. Here. I feel like I'm going to fly off the surface of the moon. Oh, while I was on Fenora, I got to be a part of the final shipment back to Vela of the remains of the inhabitants of the Crimson Sun. It was an incredibly solemn and emotional experience. Many of the boxes were draped with a flag imprinted with the Haxa official seal. Aside from the remains, there were also a number of cargo containers containing personal items, 
luggage, and some scientific tools and machinery. Once everything was loaded up, it was a very long and quiet trip back home. We had to speed up to 1.8 VSG thrust so we could make the window of the probe return since they were loading the containers directly into the cargo hold once the items that you sent were unloaded. They had a very private ceremony for the load-in of the remains, and aside from a few photographs taken by official photographers, it was very quiet and respectful. Based on the data we returned with on our high-gravity runs, they felt safe in speeding up the probe back to Haimovina, so you could see it there in around one rotat. My work here on Chona involves flying various scientists to distant regions of the surface to either establish mining opportunities or research locations. The nice thing about traveling to some of the more remote areas of Chona is the views. Here is a great shot I took from one of the smaller hills overlooking Vela and Von La. The scientists keep mumbling about some strange readings and saying that the equator of the moon should be in one place, but the spin of it puts it at another. I keep telling them to look up from their instruments for a moment and take in the view. It's one thing to see Vela from the cockpit of a ship, but to stand on the surface and see it in the distance, this close up, it's breathtaking. When they are done twisting knobs and pushing buttons, they pile back into the shuttle and I fly them back to base. It's all pretty routine as far as work goes, but I get time to practice taking photos like that one. So I count it as a decent gig. When I'm not running scientists all over the surface, I spend my spare time at the recreational facilities on the station. They have a great gym to aid in the recovery process and more than a few lounges. I think I may have turned on my charm a little too much because I kept seeing one of the scientists that I was flying around in any lounge I went to hang out in. She was very nice and eventually came up to me and introduced herself. Her name is Navi, and she works with the geological studies team surveying rocks. We had a few drinks together, and eventually she confessed that she actually knew me from the various articles and interviews. Usually this is a big sign for me that I need to swim for the swells, but I had a few sidras in me and we were actually having some good conversations. She had incredible orangish-red eyes and a silverish tint to her scales. Each time we parted ways, I figured I would probably not see her again, but sure enough, a few cycles later, in a different lounge, she walked in again. She would joke with me about trying to avoid her, but I told her that there's just so much of this station that I get lost and wander into the first lounge I find. What I didn't tell her is that I wasn't kidding. This place is seriously huge. In some of our talks, she mentioned that she actually gave up a different career to study rocks because she finds the science of them fascinating. That other life she left behind? Modeling. She brought up some photos on her terminal of some of the spreads that she did, and they were jaw-dropping. We spent the next several cycles, when we weren't working, meeting up in random lounges and chatting the night away, talking about everything from politics to sightseeing. She eventually asked me if I wanted to venture back to her quarters, and it was then that I realized something. That Tamii Javi was right. I was really becoming attracted to her, and it wasn't because of who she was, but the fact that she reminded me of you. The conversations we were having, her photos, all of them were things I adored about you. I wasn't seeing the real Navi. I very politely declined her offer, 
and told her that I wasn't ready for any sort of relationship, and it wasn't fair to her. When she asked why, I did something I hadn't done with any previous girl. I told her all about you and how I felt. I explained that I wasn't in a good place right now, and what I really needed to do was to follow my own advice and work on caring for myself. She listened attentively to my whole story and said she actually understood completely. We ended the night with one of the best hugs I've had in a long time, and she said she would try and stay in contact, but work schedules may always interfere. I haven't seen her around the station since. (sighs) The good news is, is that you have a very successful relationship happening right there next to you. It's incredible to hear about Mari and Kai. Although by Hymavenan and Elithian standards, isn't he a little too young to be getting married already? I'm not being disparaging about it at all. I like them both, and I could see this coming from a light rotat away. Literally. I'm really happy for them. I just got off a call with Javi, and he said he had already heard from both Mari and Kai about the news, and he said he sent congratulations to both of them. Apparently he and Kai have exchanged a few messages before, and they get along great. He said that if anyone was going to take care of his Venagel, it would be Kai. Personally, I think it's more of the other way around. I know how astronaut engineers are, and she's going to have some work ahead of her. But if anyone could tame the mighty ice lion that is Kai, it would be Mari. Javi also told me that he has no plans on stopping his insatiable flirting with her. So, I bet you are going to hear all kinds of stories at your cafe meetups. Also, before I forget, I wanted to say that Mom absolutely adores the necklace that you gave her. She started to flood the instant she read the note and held it close to her heart. She put it on as soon as they returned it to us, and I never saw her without it before I left. It really is an outstanding gift, and I know that she will always treasure it. I'm sure that Helgi and Iria have already heard from her at this point, because I doubt she would have waited for whatever schedule they're on to reply about it. I had to take some photos of her wearing it once we got home so she could send them along as well. I also included a video for her to send of me doing something special for Helgi, something I had been learning for quite a while. You will have to ask him to show you, because I like keeping you in suspense. I will tell you about it, though. It's a vid of me juggling in space. Ask him about it. He'll explain. May the waves guide us. Jason, 34. Log entry, Heimavina 65, 2369, Age of Enlightenment. Hey, Jezun. Thank you for what you said. And yes, I am doing well. It's weird to think that we had totally different experiences, and yet the emotional recovery was similar. When I last spoke with you, the attack just happened, and everything was so fresh. It's been over a year now, and I still have the occasional anxiety attack. But I have people to talk to, and I'm lucky to have supportive loved ones here and on Vela. This past year, I've experienced a range of emotions. Guilt, because I wasn't able to help my bodyguard and driver. Anger, after realizing my hand terminal wasn't working. Being upset that Mari got grabbed. And the fear that if they grabbed me, everyone would be dead right now. I hate playing the what-if game, but I still catch myself spinning in that riptide. For a while, the only way to stop it was just to sit in our meditation room 
and calm down. But on my toughest and darkest days, Andy was there. He was my guide through the dark, as he's been through it and knows the way out. I'm in a much better place now, and I feel like me again. But you're right. I don't think anyone fully gets over an experience like that, and it's part of me now. My dad says, there's no guarantee of safety, but being aware and knowing what to do is important. And I learned that I can trust myself when things go down. Vera likes to respond to questions about how I'm doing by saying that she was always right about me and that I'm her little warrior. <laughs> Predictably, Mari and I have received a lot of sweet messages from around the network. Most were very touching, others were funny, and I took your advice and ignored the ones that gave unsolicited advice for next time. <laughs> I got a sweet video from your mom acting very mom-like. I love hearing from her. Javi's message made me laugh. He joked about not getting anything in the probe, and that I blow him a kiss, like how Mari does. He's such a flirt. The rest of his message was mostly about hiring me as his bodyguard to handle all of his adoring fans, as he is the best and tallest pilot in the VSA. <laughs> I messaged him back and gave him a tour of our flat, as per his request. And I showed him his guest room, and I introduced him to Andy, who jokingly asked the camera, just how many Velen boyfriends do you have? <laughs> and then he thanked Javi for being such a good friend to everyone. Oh, and I may have sent Javi a kiss. What? He made me laugh. <laughs> but you're right. I would love nothing more than to talk about anything else but the attack. That aside, I had a pretty good year. And there were some fun events that made my recovery much easier. So, space groupies? I'm just kidding. When I told Andy about Navi, he shook his head and commented about fame seekers. I told him that you were well prepared to handle such opportunists, but it didn't sound like she was one. It's cute seeing Andy worried about you. And I'm proud for you for listening to your own advice. Even if it was just casual, it would not have been fair for Navi if you weren't totally present. I told Andy about what you said and that I don't think I would have been in a good place when I met him if I hadn't taken your advice. He said that he was happy that I listened to my smart villain friend. And you never know. You may cross streams again. Just look at Juniper and Helgi. Personally, I think she sounded beautiful. <laughs> well, both the Hymavenans and the Elithians are incredibly touched by the respect and care Vela demonstrated for the items recovered in the Crimson Sun. There was a lot of talk about what to do for them, and it was finally decided that they would be buried on Alondra, so that the passengers could finally complete their journey to safety. There was a solemn ceremony at Rabbit Station before the remains were transferred to the Lithian military transport, and escorted home by an honor guard. A white memorial stone was placed at the station to remember the tragedy of the Citizanda and the lengths that people went to to survive. On Alondra, they'll be placed on a funeral ship that will sail from Brengar, and a memorial will be built in the main waterfront park. I plan to attend the event when I get to Alondra. As I mentioned, Andy's parents arrived shortly after the attack, which means I finally met Andy's father, Reese. True to his reputation, he's incredibly introverted, and looks like an older version of Andy, with the exception of his vivid violet eyes, which is a family trait. I can see why the vibrant Raythea was so attracted to him, though. 
he is sweet and kind-hearted and very affectionate towards her. Almost like he still can't believe that she agreed to marry him. As Raythea told us, they met while she was touring the new engineering company the Hausmannstrasse had acquired. Reese was the lead engineer and blushed every time they made contact during her tour. She thought he was super cute and was mesmerized by his violet eyes and apparently made endless silly excuses to return to his lab to ask questions. Raythea said, I had no idea what he was talking about half the time, but I had to have him. <laughs> and when we all gave an audible, Aww, and we witnessed Reese's infamous blush, and that same awkward smile as Andy's, Reese kissed Raythea's runes, and the whole scene was incredibly adorable. One morning, Reese found me working at the kitchen table at the estate, and he was much more comfortable one-on-one. -on -one. He had me laughing with stories about what it was like to raise his rambunctious sons. Andy, half awake, walked in while Reese was telling me how Andy and the twins made poor little Rickard search a compost bin for a rugby ball that wasn't there. And Andy tried to defend himself, and I was in fits of laughter when my parents and Raythea shuffled into the kitchen. My mom took Andy's side, as usual, and said, but what about the time you dragged Kai around the neighborhood selling worthless rocks? And the Vinstrasses laughed so hard, I thought they might have all stopped breathing. I tried to explain that Helgi told us the rocks were space geodes that he smuggled down from Randir. And I pointed out that I made a hundred pengar that day, and I was forced to return it for no reason. Raythea raised her eyebrow and said, Really? Well, my dear, I have a few meetings I would like you to join me when we get back to Alondra. And my dad laughed and said that House Jorgensen takes 20% of any deal I close, to which Raythea responded, Done. <laughs> Andy Fane being wounded, and everyone laughed. <laughs> our parents spent the rest of the morning exchanging the worst of our childhood stories. <laughs> Speaking of side projects, I think it's time for you to sell your photos. These most recent ones are amazing. And as an avocat, I can file the paperwork to copyright your work. And then we could generate some buzz by putting your photos in high traffic areas and galas, and maybe in exclusive gallery openings. I would be happy to broker the sales once the Alithians begin demanding unique pieces, which they will. And my commission would come with a friends and family discount. <laughs> but seriously, I don't understand why people don't just stop and look up. I actually talked to Kai about this very thing the last time he came to visit Mari and me at the office. He walked around my desk, grabbed my chair with me in it, and turned it around to face the office window. And then he said, Look at the harbor. Timulea is practicing with her spinnakers up, and the fog is rolling in. Now, look how Luda makes the bridges sparkle. Sis, I would never tire of this, and you sit with your back to it. And he made a good point. I hadn't realized that I was one of those people, too. I guess we just get used to our surroundings. On the subject of new things getting used to, our family has officially been granted house status. With the changes to the Samcoma, we don't get any of the political entitlements that we would have received under the old system. But our social status has changed, along with commercial and tax status. Area proceeded more cautiously than I anticipated, and even seriously considered selling Verkstad to another house, in what would certainly have been the largest corporate buyout in history. There were a few serious offers, including House Vinstrasse. But Raythea told Iria that she liked having her as family and an ally, rather than an employee. In the end, 
Raytheia decided that she wanted to continue her and Carl's vision. The ceremony was held at Verkstad headquarters in an old hangar where their first spacecraft was built. The event was just for employees, the original investors, and senior members of the other Heimavina houses. Traditionally, the family retains ownership and places blood relatives in the senior management positions. But Iria decided to change things up. On stage, in front of the crowd, she announced that Terra Lou Pierce would be House Jarl, and Helgi as Scion, and Carl as senior advisor and head of Berkstad Brengard. Carl took the mic briefly to thank Gisto, who he credited with much of the inspiration for Verkstad's early ideas, and everyone raised glasses in solemn tribute. Iria wasn't done, though, and I think what came next would have made Gisto proud. She said that Verkstad wouldn't exist without its employees, and announced that all the employees would be given ownership status and profit sharing. This structure is a radical departure from traditional practice, and it took a moment for the attendees to comprehend what Riria had done. The response was thunderous, and people were banging on the tables and cheering like mad. And Tara Lou thanked everyone for their efforts and told them all to go back to work, which was met with gals of laughter. Before Iria said, let's light up this party. And right on cue, there were fireworks and a DJ started spinning music from the stage. Andy practically had to shout to me, I want to work for Iria now. <laughs> And I told him to get in line. You sure you don't want to leave the VSA? I feel a little bit bad telling you about this next event, because I know it's something you would have loved to have seen. But it was really cool. The first annual interplanetary Empire Regatta was held in Loganland Harbor in Trishaven. The challengers consisted of the three major continent segment teams from Haimavina, three teams from Alondra, two teams from Ganama, two from Yasna, and two from Viron. It was a standard fleet racing event with a one design rule, which means that all the teams raced identical segments. My grandfather Lars won the design contest for the event with a 24-meter monohull that blended ancient and modern cues. Not surprisingly, the boats were fast as they were beautiful. The event was held just offshore so spectators could watch from the stadium seating set up by the city. There were so many vendors and people, you would have thought it was the Mirror Life Festival. The racing was brutal, and over the course of the seven-day event, the Lithians learned that we take sailing very seriously. I told Andy that the Alondran teams were impressive, even though the Hymenvenian crews were already drinking in the clubhouse by the time his teams crossed the finish lines. <laughs> I'm a cruel girlfriend. The final championship came down to a race between Team Mulea and Team Oslin from Ganama. They tied with three wins each. Heather's boyfriend Max got a spot on the Team Lulea's friends and family yacht to watch the race. During the third leg, the wind almost died, and it became clear how evenly matched the teams were. As they rounded the windward mark for the final leeward leg, each team made a play for the lead, and Team Olsen rounded the mark and leapt ahead as they hoisted their red and white spinnaker bearing the team logo and we could hear the Lithian crowd cheering on the shore, including one cheering next to me. The entire crowd gasped audibly when Team Lulea rounded the mark and found a patch of wind and hoisted the black spinnaker with the Vegvasir in red and cruised right past them to win the regatta. I attached a video of the race. It was incredible. Afterwards, 
Team Lulea and Team Olsen sailed together past the stands. And I'm surprised you couldn't hear the crowd from Vela. There was cheering and drums and ancient war horns blasting. And the after party, hosted by the Logalun Yacht Club, was one of the most insane parties I have ever been to. People were drinking out of anything that could hold liquid, and both teams tied their segments together and jumped into the icy water in celebration. And even Lars was thrown into the water. I don't think anyone went to bed that night until the next day. <laughs> All that aside, the most exciting event, of course, was Kai and Mari getting married. To answer your question, yes, by high Mavina and definitely a Lithian standards, they are very young to be married. However, Vera and Mikkel got married right after university, so there's some family precedent. My mom's philosophy is, why not start forever with someone as soon as you find it? And Kai told me that when he was heading to the hospital, all he could think about was how easily that could have been him in that vehicle. And then he thought about your accident and how it could have been him too. His conclusion that life was short and he didn't want to wait to start his life with Mari. And who cared how young they were? Because he didn't want to be with anyone else. Who knew that my brother was so romantic? Mari's not from an old family, and she wasn't aware of some of the wedding traditions we do. But she agreed to two. The women's brunch and the dual stag party. For brunch, all the women in my family and Mari's mother gathered at my parents' place the weekend before the wedding. Raythea brought a bunch of dress options for Mari, and we had a lovely time watching Mari parade her options. Her mother was no help at all, because she cried each time Mari came out in a new dress. Mari finally settled on a long, backless shift in a soft green color. It looked perfect. Because Mari will be attending galas more regularly, Raythea insisted that she keep the rest of the dresses. I think Mari almost fainted from sheer joy. The rest of the day was filled with more gifts for Mari and relationship advice from all the married women. That evening was a dual stag party, and Mari and Kai found out about a new club that was so underground, we haven't even seen it posted on the network. Our regular group, including the rest of the Savior Squad, because the Vinstrasser brothers weren't going to miss Mari and Kai's wedding, rolled up to a very plain building in Old Town. We climbed four flights of stairs to a mysterious door where Kai entered a code into a lighted panel. My bodyguard and I darkly joked that we were about to get kidnapped again before the door opened to a huge bouncer in all black who asked us for the password. And Kai said something that made the bouncer laugh, and they clasped forearms like old friends. We were escorted to a small room where a couple of ushers took our coats and gave us wristbands. And we were led down a hallway that opened out to a grand balcony that overlooked the entire club. Jason, the building had been completely gutted and turned into a bar and club entirely lit by candles and soft pink wall lighting, and the largest chandelier I think I've ever seen. Behind the grand bar was a wall of artfully backlit bottles of alcohol and private booths that lined the dance floor. It totally reminded me of the Leve Ruku, that first club you recorded for me. Anyway, the down tempo and heavy bass music was magnetic, the kind where you just can't help but move to the beat. We were escorted to a private seating area where the rest of the party was waiting for the happy couple. After several toasts and lots of jokes at the happy couple's expense, everyone descended to the dance floor or headed to the bar. Andy and I realized that we were the only ones left at the table when several clubgoers snapped our pictures with their hand terminals. We both laughed. 
And then Andy stood up and told me he was ready to dance. When we got to the dance floor, he pulled me close so there was no room for imagination and said, let's give them something more fun to photograph. And in that moment, I learned that the very traditional, vin-drinking, ancient watch-collecting scion of House Finstrasse could really dance. And it was super hot. I told Andy we should go to clubs more often. <laughs> what really stood out that night, though, was not that it was Kai and Mari's stag party, but how much we all needed to be normal without realizing it. Mari and I just danced and never looked over our shoulders, and Andy and Kai totally let loose and didn't hover or worry about us. It was like we all could breathe and we knew we could get through anything and come out dancing. The following weekend, the small and informal ceremony was held on the dock at Juniper and Helgi's place. Kai and Mari wanted it there because that was the first place they kissed. Mari looked stunning and I knew Kai would cry when he saw her, which he did. You know, I don't think I've ever explained the marriage vows. There are a few variations, but the ancient marriage ritual starts with both people facing each other, and they each use a family dagger or sword to nick their right palms, just enough to draw blood, raise their palms, and press them together. The right hand is used because that's where our family hoof floor is inked into our skin. The participants clasp hands and cross thumbs and say, We are one. We are bound. And then one kisses the runes on the back of the other's hand and says, I am part of your family. Be with me from now until the end or wherever Linnea takes us. And the reply is the same. And then they kiss. Now, Mari does not have family runes. So she decided to surprise Kai and kiss his family runes, signifying that she was part of his family. Kai was so moved by this gesture, she barely got through the final vow before he started to kiss her, and the priestess conducting the ceremony had to remind him that they weren't finished yet. That's my brother for you. I don't think I've seen Kai and Mari so happy. And one of my best friends became my sister that day. They've been splitting their time between a place in Hopnina, which is close to both sets of parents, and their apartment here at the estate. Let's just say that I'm happy the newlyweds apartment is on the other side of the estate. <laughs> I leave for a laundry tomorrow. I get to travel on the Hausvenstrasse family flagship, which, according to Juniper, is the nicest house ship she's been on. I'm pretty nervous, but Andy says that he'll be with me the whole time, and that it'll be fine. So says the boy from the future. <laughs> it's crazy. In a week, I'll be standing on the original Mana Colony, and I'll have my fieldstone, so you'll be with me on my journey. Love always. CJ. Age 35. Log entry, Vela 65. Vela Rotat 2690. Cycle 4 of the 6th Annual. Hey, hey, Siege. I'm so glad to hear that you are doing well with your recovery. The same goes for Mari. I hope that all of the messages you received helped, at least in some small way. Javi told me about what he sent you, and I couldn't help but roll my eyes at him. He's incorrigible. If I were you, I wouldn't read too much into what he said. He sent the same sort of messages to Mari. I'm just glad he didn't try all that flirting on me when I was recovering. Of course, I would have probably just laughed about it as much as you did. Seriously, though, I'm happy that things are going well and that you are feeling better. 
you know that I understand, at least to a small degree, what you're going through. Have you heard at all any of the reasoning as to why you were attacked? I know that you're a fairly high-profile person there, but I thought that most of the population there really liked you based on all of the articles and photos of you. If you were here, I'm fairly sure there would be an army of villains that would vow to be your bodyguards. I would say that I would be the head of that security detail, but you and I both know that I'm not that great of a fighter, and you could probably wipe the floor with me. Thank you for the kind words about my interactions with Navi. She was really nice and beautiful. Sometimes I think back on it and could kick myself for not taking a chance, but even a rotat ago, I felt like I was a different person. I know I wasn't ready for something like that then, even if it was fleeting. Since then, I know that I have grown to identify certain things that I really like about myself, and I have come to an understanding about my feelings in general. I think the whole situation with her helped me to let go of some things that were complicating my life. Turning her down was my way of saying that I'm ready to move on. I know, I know, I sound like my psychologist talking here, but sometimes I guess they're right about some things. Still, there is a younger version of me who is probably screaming at me from the inside of my brain. Last I heard, she is actually with a team examining some strange markings on our other moon, Chone. There's a much smaller station that was built there as a research facility. I'm sure it won't be long until there is a need for shuttle pilots there, too. The parties you had for Mari sounded awesome. Your customs and formal events there are always so fancy. We have a few elaborate ceremonies here, but hearing about yours makes ours feel like some university party. The thought of you all gathering around Mari to honor her finding the one that she wants to be with is similar to some of the celebrations we do here, though. All of you together, enjoying something as simple as picking out a dress and... Wait. I have seen the dresses and outfits you wear there and heard you talk about them. I'm sure that there was nothing simple about that process. Still, it sounds like you had a great time. The next part of your tour of festivities felt a little more like something that I could relate to. So, to celebrate with you, Javi and I revisited the Lavi Ruku Club to join in your party. You mentioned that the club you went to was similar, so I thought it was fitting. The two of us and a few of the other pilots that were around, sorry, Joru was out on duty so she couldn't make it, all raised glasses to Kai and Mari. I made sure to keep my feelstone with me so that you would know that we were all with you. For fun, yours and mine, I have included a video of Javi dancing like a wild Riku. He was pretty drunk at this point and used Mari's wedding as an excuse for any of the girls at the club to console him on the loss of his true love to another man. The full ceremony looked amazing from the photos you sent. It's cute to see how nervous Kai looked. The dock that the event took place on looked like the perfect setting, and I can see why they liked it. It created a beautiful backdrop for them in the center of everything. Mari looked stunning in the dress that you all had decided on. I would have gotten them a gift, but the probe is still on its way back from Haimavina, and I think I have lost all of my clout on getting anything loaded into it. I guess I will have to deliver one in person. Hmm. Maybe I'll just send Javi as a gift. He can be their personal shuttle pilot for all the gala tours they will go on. Usually for us, the pairing of two villains is extremely private and shared only with each other. The uh, mating ceremony can be much more elaborate of an affair if they want it to be. 
But when we find someone that we want to be with, at least in CNR, it's a different type of interaction. It starts with a pool of water where the couple bathe each other. Then they sit facing each other and one scale is plucked from the chest just above the heart and placed in a small cup. A Kelta is then brewed in the cup and each person offers the cup to the other as a form of giving themselves to the other one. There is not really any kind of formal ceremony. It's just something that people would do if they wanted to share their lives with someone for a time. Even if they were to separate later, it's like they're still a part of one with the other. It's really private and even sharing that little bit of information with an outsider is typically frowned upon. It's meant to be a joining of two people. That's not to say that what you have there isn't just as awe-inspiring. I adore that you get to spend that event with all of your friends in school. I think it makes it that much more special because of everyone that's involved. We have even seen those type of events now and then here, mostly inspired by your culture. Please pass along my congratulations to Mari and Kai. After I left Chona, I got to spend a little bit of time at home. It still wasn't real time off at that point since I was at the CNR radio lab working with the SI team. I did get to spend some time visiting with mom though. She is gill deep with the council working on the revisions for a number of outdated laws and penalties and attending session after session about coordinating talks with the same coma. You know, all the usual stuff. I know you have to deal with a lot of that at home, so I won't bore you with the details. It was just great to spend time with her after being away on so many extended missions. When I was home for the probe arrival festivities, I was so involved with all of the events that we hardly got to spend much time together. There were a lot of long talks and spending time out on the balcony overlooking the marina. We talked about the attack and her concerns for you. I let her talk it out and be a mom for a little while. It was just a really nice time. Working at the SI lab has been really great as well. They are working with all different types of personnel in different fields since they are actually getting ready to roll out a public release of the SI for general use. Up until now, the synthetic intelligence program was primarily used for industry and government work. They plan to start releasing usage into the general populace for commercial integration and personal use. Mostly, it will make every cycle tasks a little easier and help to augment automated processes in factories and businesses. I actually got to meet the team of voices that are used for them. Since we have had SIs on almost all of the craft that we use now, I have gotten used to talking to it and hearing the responses back. I didn't realize that they are using a representation of real voices in the system. I have to say, it was kind of weird talking with one of the girls that was the voice of the VSA craft SI. They're recording a number of voices while they narrow down which one best suits the utility that it'll be used for. While I'm here working on making a better SI, Javi actually got his rotation up at Chona. It was just recently that he left, so we had some time after I got back. He's having some trouble adjusting, and uh, that may be a little bit my fault. I talked about that duty a lot. Now I'm just getting a constant stream of messages from him about how I didn't tell him about the long hours in the shuttles with nothing to do while the scientists go out and bang rocks. Oh, look, here's another one. Hey there, Jay. Did I show you the spacious cabin they gave me? No? Huh, must have forgot about that while I was sleeping in a hot rack in a hallway bunk room. Hmm, 
Maybe they give the recovery duty folks a little more in the way of comfort than the normal shift. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you had your fieldstone with you at the regatta because shortly after I got back, I had a really strong urge to get back out on the Yana. I found out there was a local race being done for charity and entered at the last moment. They had a decent crowd and it felt great to get back out there. I didn't win, mostly because I was out of practice and I think the Yana could use a good cleaning. Yeah, yeah, let's say it was that. It was all for a good cause though, so it was worth it. Your regatta got me thinking of how hard it must be for the Alithians to race there. We spend most of our time sailing, learning about the different flows of the water and wind and how to use them best. But I imagine that if the water there is even just a tiny bit different than the water on Alandra, or even here, someone who isn't used to it would be at a disadvantage. I know you may say that water is water wherever you go, but it's not. Seawater can behave differently than inland water, and temperature change can change that even more. It's a new challenge to be sure, but it may be just a little unfair to the visiting team. What I'm really saying here is that you should tell Andy that I think the Alithians deserve another shot on Alondra. After the race was done, I took my brake cycle to take a quick trip along the coast and just enjoy the time away. While I was out, I managed to snap a few more photos for you. The first one is a great Von La set over the ocean. It was so peaceful. I dropped anchor for the evening and just sat on the deck sipping tea and enjoying the view. The next was from one of the islands just to the south of CNR, where there are some crazy rock formations that are from, according to the plaques in place, ancient volcanic activity. It's hard to believe since we haven't seen any volcanoes on Vela anywhere in recent times. And the last one for you is a blast from the past. There are still a few of these up in some of the further outreaches of civilization, so it's fun to find them. It's one of the old radio towers that was used to relay information around the area. Most of them are considered landmarks now. I laughed about your proposal for selling my photos. To be honest, I just like taking them. I share them often here, as you've probably seen on the network. I think it just makes me happy to help others see things I find joy in. I have a great job that helps me to do the things I love to do, so I don't need any sort of special income from these. The joy I get from seeing people react to them is more than enough. If that ever changes, though, I will keep your offer in mind. We did have roughly an annual where Javi and I were both planetside, and we took that opportunity to do something we'd planned for a while. A vacation. Javi's father runs a citrus brewery and farm out in northeastern Sanat, near a small town named Filnaar. It's a beautiful countryside area where they grow row after row of aporo trees and huge fields of witi. Due to all of the away missions I was doing, I had saved up enough time off that we were able to spend almost a full annual there. It was away from all the excitement of city life, and everything just felt slower, but in a good way. They had a small harvest festival going on that was just the people in town, nothing big, but there were some great games and, of course, lots of Sidrus. I should see if I can talk Javi's dad, Poro, into letting me have a few of the recipes to send you. Maybe Lars can try making some himself if there are some equivalent ingredients there. Unfortunately, Javi's brother, Modi, couldn't make it to hang out with us. He was out with his Splashta team at a small tournament in Trenaar. They did really well and we were able to watch the game from the house. They advanced to the finals, which will play out in Laar in a few annuals. 
I'm pretty sure they were celebrating far too much for him to catch a flight back out to film the R. It would have been great to see him again, but who am I to interrupt the celebrations of a great athlete? Geary was there, though, since she lives in the area and helps Poro run the brewery. She and I have a deal that we would make lots of flirtatious advances at each other for the sole purpose of making Javi uncomfortable and watching him squirm. You should have seen his face. It was great. At the festival, I won a game of Wele Kelpa against him and received a cute stuffed paw. I gave it to Geary, and she squealed and jumped into my arms. Javi stormed off, and we had a great laugh about it. On one of the last nights, I took a few moments to myself and went out to walk around one of the orchard of Oporo trees and enjoy the setting of Van La. It was so incredibly peaceful out there. I sat amongst the trees and held my feel stone and thought about all the things that brought me to where I am now. While I was there, Geary found me and sat down next to me. She told me that Javi had been keeping her up to date on all the things that I had been going through. We talked about some of my travels, and she told me about her time living in a small town and working at the brewery with her father. It was just, oh, nice. We ended up walking to the edge of the orchard where it overlooked one of the largest fields of witty I've ever seen. She held my hand, and we laid down in the field to stare up at the stars. Eventually, she reached over to me, took the field stone out of my hand, and set it aside and said that she wanted to be alone with just me for a while. Okay, I have a small confession to make to you. When I was younger, I went out on a number of dates and had a few girlfriends along the way, but uh, I've never actually, well, been with someone, if you know what I mean. I think Helgi jokingly called it swimming at some point. I don't know, CJ. I guess I just always felt like if I were going to do something like that, it would have been with you. It's silly, I know, of course, since we don't even know how that would work for lots of different reasons. We were both just so much younger. Now things are different from how they were back then, so I guess this was my way of growing out of those feelings. When we decided to head back to the house, we walked back through the orchards and Geary told me that While she really did care about me and wanted our time to be special, she knew that my work would have me away for long periods of time. She loved what she does in Filnaar and has no plans to leave it. Not to mention the complications with Javi being her brother and my best friend. It's nice to have someone else to talk to about these things, but she's not looking for anything more right now. When we got back, Javi was out on the porch, giving us his usual side-eye, and we played into it by laughing and Geary kissing me goodnight in front of him. She headed to her vehicle and went home, and Javi and I just sat on the porch with the Sidrus and finished out the night. He never asked about what happened. For the first time in a very long time, I just felt happy. When we left Filnaar, I knew that I was ready to get back to work and get back out into space and explore all of the possibilities that were available. I hope that you have a great trip out to Alondra and that you can explore all of the possibilities that await you there. I feel like this is a whole new chapter for us. You get to step off world for the first time and venture out into space, and I find myself enjoying the time back home. As you say, Venere till Inda, and may the waves guide us. Jason, 35. You have been listening to an episode of The Binary Saga. 
The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. The part of Jason is played by Steve Petrocelli. Music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. Thank you to our Patreon members, Samantha and Rob and Mary Carnahan. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website. We have multiple levels of support, with lots of fun and special features like transcripts and photos. Or if you just want to donate to our Bjor and Sidrus funds, it's always appreciated. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with at the Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on Discord for general chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. You can read the print version for the entire first and second season in Kindle or paperback on Amazon. Print versions include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga.